It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, Sunday edition. Justin Ferguson here in Columbus, Mississippi, recording this on Sunday morning. Came out here for Auburn, Mississippi State, which will obviously be the bulk of our conversation today. Uh, heading back to Auburn here uh, later today. Uh, so recording this again on Sunday morning, as always, if something feels outdated or, hey, you're not talking about this, that's why. That's This is a recorded audio broadcast. Um but I'm here in Mississippi, Dan Peck, the eldest boy, the Generalissimo, is checking in back in Auburn, holding it down for us. How are we doing, Dan? Yeah, so so we don't know, we don't know who won the NFL playoff games yet. So if you're expecting us to break those down in in sufficient fact, like this, when do we? When we don't do we even know thing? who Auburn's defensive coordinator is yet. Yeah, this. When do we think this thing will be out on the like midday, midday Sunday or Sunday, yeah. Sunday afternoon? Okay, usually so. around noon. So we'll have that out for for all of you, and um, yeah, the man making that all happen is, of course, the editor, engineer, podcaster, shortener, Painter Sharpless in the undisclosed location. Painter, how are we doing on this Sunday morning? Doing very well. Doing very well. All right, fellas, uh, we're going to talk Auburn basketball, obviously. Um, we'll, we'll talk some football towards the end. I'm heading down to the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, always crossing paths with Auburn's got four guys down there. Um, usually a good time to kind of check in on, on, on some things and look ahead uh, for Auburn football. Before we do that, we've got basketball to discuss because uh, a tough week for Auburn basketball um, – Came to an end uh, on uh, on Saturday in Starkville with Auburn dropping a 64-58 game to Mississippi State. Um, this was a team that had won, you know, 11 straight games by double digits, and then they go on the road. I think you could make the argument this was the toughest week of the season for Auburn because of who they had to play. You know, I say these are probably two of the – Three, four toughest games in SEC play this year. Uh, both of those, you know, you know, because they were on the road back to back, it was tough. The travel was different this year. They stayed out here because obviously of the close proximity from Tuscaloosa to to Starkville, and the Tigers falling on the road by six to a Mississippi State team that doesn't have a great record, um, but is uh, you know a lot better, I think, than their than than that overall record would seem to suggest. Um, you know, they've climbed up to around top 30 again. And Ken Palm, after this win, they've got one of the best defenses in the country, and, and they showed that in this game. Uh, but tough week, tough loss for Auburn because, you know, you, you feel like you were, uh, you know, red hot, and then you play two games where, you know, you weren't, a, you weren't favored against Alabama, and I think you were a slight favorite against Mississippi State, but a really, really tough game. Like, Dan, this is a... I think this is kind of a week that's, uh, you know, some people are going to hit the panic button. Some people are going to act like the sky is falling. Um, but I think it's kind of more of a reality check. And I just keep going back to something that Bruce Pearl has said several times the last few weeks, even when Auburn was winning a lot of basketball games uh, by double digits. He was saying like, hey, we're better than people thought we were going to be heading into the season, but I don't think we're as good as people think we are right now. Um, kind of pointing to the metrics and and, you know, stuff like that. This week was kind of uh, kind of vindication uh, for Bruce, and as I wrote about it on Saturday or on on Sunday morning, 
uh, to to borrow a Bruce phrase, he's you know he says he hates it when he's right. This week kind of showed how right he was in some of these areas about this team. And this team just seemed so immortal after the after the Ole Miss win, right? I mean, it 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 felt like I mean, you go back a week ago, and even with the caveats that we talked about a lot, yes, this team had not won a quad one game yet. Uh, this team uh, had had a uh, the numbers would tell you a, a fairly easy go of it away from Neville Arena uh, to this point in the season. So, I mean, e- even considering that the team had played so well to begin SEC play, these two losses are not uh, – you, you don't want to overreact to them, although I do think there are some traits. You know, there are some mm-hmm. characteristics of this team uh, that – uh, that could be concerning if if things don't turn around. There were some some trends that started or were made more evident this week that we'll talk about. But no, I think it's it's important to remember, especially this. It's like what's disappointing about these two losses is that you thought maybe in a season where everyone was losing, especially in conference play, uh, and and it felt like it's it's never been harder to go on the road. Uh, as as one of the favorites or as one of the supposed top teams, and when you thought maybe Auburn was going to be different than mm-hmm. than everyone else, there was that hope, and and this week sort of that bubble has been burst a little bit that that Auburn is going to be significant. You know, Auburn is going to be immune to these things that have plagued so many of the other top teams in college basketball this season, and it. Does bring Auburn back down to earth a little bit, you know, for, from a team that a week ago uh, was sitting alone, or right after the, I guess or no, a, a week ago Auburn was was because Alabama had lost. A week ago Auburn yeah. was the only team in the league without a conference loss. Yeah, and uh, I think the stat that kind of illustrates why I think Auburn fans, I, I tweeted this Sunday morning, why Auburn fans shouldn't hit the panic button yet, why this is still a pretty good team. Uh, why you know beating all of those teams like Auburn winning all of those games that they were supposed to win is good because not everyone's done that this year. Um, winning them by double digits, beating the spread, beating the projections, and a lot of those makes you you know still a top ten, even a top five team, you know by some metrics at this point in the year. But the stat to look at here is that the top ten teams in net, and it's a very similar to the top ten teams and teams like Ken Palm T, Rank Evan Maya, BPI stuff we look at. Of those teams, nine of them have lost multiple road games already this season. And then six of those nine have already lost multiple conference road games, including Houston and Purdue, who are number one and number two in pretty much all the metrics right now. Um that just shows you everyone's doing it. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and Yukon lost nine conference road games and have lost on the road in the SEC, or in their respective conferences, I should say. Tennessee lost to this Mississippi State team. Bama did win at Mississippi State, and I think, again, this is going to show that even though they had a harder time in non-conference play this year and and their defense um, is not the greatest thing in the world, this Bama team is a, a true contender. North Carolina, really the only team in the country right now that is that is just taking care of business no matter where they're playing. Uh, they had some losses in neutral sites earlier in the year. And they are off to, I think it's like a 9-0 and start in, in the ACC. They're they're looking really, really good right now. Uh, but Kansas, Arizona, Houston, Purdue, uh, I've mentioned them. Um, you know, Iowa State, BYU, uh, you know, there's plenty of others. Um, now Auburn uh, have lost multiple games on the road, true road games. And it's just, 
something that's happening. Um, and Auburn took two losses to unranked teams this week, but they were good teams, um, you know, by the computers. And you look at uh, there was a stat from a guy who covers Kentucky earlier this week, heading into the weekend. Um, less than you know when top 10 teams played road games against unranked teams this season less than 60 percent of the time they've won it's been closer to a toss-up than anything else and i think that's pretty telling and we saw yesterday after auburn lost to mississippi state tennessee was trailing vanderbilt at the half on the road and arkansas was without devo davis arkansas in a complete tailspin was leading kentucky and kentucky had to come back both those teams came back and won in the second half, uh, I think it took Kentucky a, a little longer to get going than it did for Tennessee. But just goes to show you, it's tough to win on the road. It doesn't mean Auburn. You're not making excuses for Auburn when you say that. You're not. You're not waving off because there's issues, and, and like Dan said, we will talk about the issues that they've got to get fixed. But um, you know, this is college basketball. Everybody's got problems. Um, I think the portal and the and the constantly changing rosters and the tough continuity has made it a little bit more difficult to go on the road and win some of these tough games. And we're seeing that over the last few years in college basketball. And it's really shown up this season. But when you look at a team like Houston, or you look at a team like Purdue, uh, Purdue best player in the country, Houston best defense by far in the country, probably the best team in the country. And they've already taken some tough losses away from home. I think that tells you something about where this team is. Auburn isn't maybe, you know, you're not packing your bags for, for Phoenix or, you know, for the final four, like uh, maybe a, 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 a way too early tweet might have said, but you're also not, you know, decrying this team as, you know, fallen off or imposters or anything like that. Now there are problems they got to, they got to fix them. But again, this is a, this is a time and place in college basketball where everybody's got problems. Everybody's losing. There are, you know, for Auburn, you're, you've just missed these opportunities to kind of help yourself out this week more than anything. Uh, Painter, before we dig into the game itself, wanted to ask you vibe check from your end. It's it's been a tough week. I mean, this team was riding pretty high, and I know there's a lot of Auburn fans that are kind of looking around and and, and kind of panicking and, and overreacting. I, I don't think you're one of those people, but you know, it, 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 it's a week that I think we've learned a lot about this team. Even though you might not be sitting here thinking that this team's you know destined to you know, only finish like 10 and eight in the league or nine and nine in the league. I think it's hard not to look at a 16 and four record, even with two disappointing losses and go, this team is capable of doing some pretty great things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Cause I think if you'd have came into the season and I would have said, Hey, painter or Hey, Auburn fan, a B or C that is listening to this podcast, 20 games in the season, Auburn's going to be 16 and four and five and two in the SEC. You're going to be like, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good team. Hey, you got, you got a chance to contend with that. Like that's a, that, those are good marks. I think the timing of when the losses happen kind of affect everything. And, you know, the problem, I think there, that you, you have a tendency to have, and I, I think we all fall into this. This is just not just fan behavior. Just, we're guilty of this in the media a ton as well. But the last thing that happened is not the most, it's not the only thing that's happened. And you can't just look at these last two losses and throw out everything Auburn did beforehand. But the timing, you know, does affect how you're feeling right now, obviously. I don't know if there's a single statistic from the game that jumps out more than the others as to, I mean, I thought it, it's another slow start offensively from Auburn where, you know, you feel like maybe the margin for error isn't, you know, quite so slim if, if you play better in, in, in the first half. The, the rebounding, I know you've talked about 
yeah. uh, on you know you, you've 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 written about the, uh, the even going into this game how important the rebounding was going to be and and the numbers were just heavily skewed towards Mississippi State. Yeah, the, the rebounding is big, and and you know Bruce Pearl said it after the game. This was probably the reason why they lost down the stretch of both the Mississippi State and Alabama games. Early on, State was beating Auburn to the boards like a drum. Like it was every loose ball was theirs. They got second and third chances. Um, Auburn could not seem to get anything going. Like they'd have just one and done possessions on the other end. And to Auburn's credit, in the first half, as bad of a first half as it was, it went to the, they went into the locker room tied. Um, you know, they didn't turn the ball over very much. And Auburn's own defense in the first half, I thought was excellent. Um, State hit some shots, but they were really tough shots. And Auburn had to kind of grind its way there. But in the second half, first nearly 15 minutes of the first of the second half, Auburn does not give up a single offensive rebound. The game gets a little bit more even. The offenses start playing better. It's back and forth, back and forth. And then down the stretch, it's a one-possession game. There's a missed shot. There's an offensive board by Mississippi State that leads to free throws. There's another offensive board off those free throws that turns what could have been no points on that possession to three for Mississippi State. And there's another one later on that turns into two points. Again, a, a put back. And the Alabama game was the same way. Auburn had opportunities to get stops and then get to the other end of the floor and take have a chance to take the lead or you know whatnot. And they did not they did not convert. They didn't end these possessions. They didn't wrap them up. And the other team took advantage. We saw that with like Grant Nelson and those guys and, and those free throw trips against Alabama. We saw it again against um against Mississippi State. Now, the rebounding issue. Um I wrote a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that Auburn had been a lot better at defensive rebounding this season than they had been in really any year under Bruce Pearl in a while. Um, the last few games that it's changed, they've gotten deeper into SEC play. Teams have been able to take advantage on the boards. The old Miss game had a lot of offensive rebounds from the Rebels. Obviously, the Alabama and Mississippi State games we just brought up are, are that. It's interesting because it's like Auburn is really focused on it. Um. And it's something they're hearing about all the time, but you got to actually go out there and do it. And what's what's the problem? What's the issue? And I think from my perspective, it was kind of twofold on Saturday. Number one, when you talk about effort and focus, that's really a lot of rebounding. You know, a lot of people say, you know, uh, and I hear it a ton and I've and I heard it a ton this weekend. It's like, you know, a lot of rebounding is is your effort. It's just go go out there and get it. Um, as opposed to you're just kind of natural talent. Now, I think some guys are naturally gifted at rebounding. There's something to that, and I think you look at down the stretch, it's kind of like offensive line play in football. If one guy screws up, everybody, I mean, it looks bad for everybody. So if one guy doesn't get boxed out or if one guy doesn't you know, corral the rebound, it can look bad for the other four guys who worked hard on there. So it's one of those things where everybody's got to be focused, everybody's got to be locked in. I think there's part of that in this game where Auburn – I struggled with that in those areas. And, you know, they got to do a better job of rebounding down. Their guards have to be do a better job of boxing out and helping crash the glass and clean up. The second thing that I think was an issue is you look, Janai Broom had to play a ton of 34 minutes in this game because um, Dylan Carwell was in foul trouble from about the moment he stepped into this state of Mississippi and got a lot of quick foul calls on him and that limited his effectiveness. And we know Cardwell 
is a big power guy. Part of what makes Auburn really, really good in the front court is that Dylan Cardwell can wear a team down along with Jani Broom, and it's that back and forth. It's all 40 minutes. Naturally, a guy like Jani Broom, who is more, did a good job on, on defense. Pearl said after the game, he was the guy who really stepped up this week. He had two great performances. Auburn didn't really get much from everybody else in this game, in this game, including the coaching staff, as he said. But you go back and look, and and it's like for Janai, like yeah, it's tougher to go against one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country when you're having to play a lot more minutes than you're used to, and you're missing that guy who helps keep you fresh. Another guy who also is a great defensive rebounder, his own right. And so I think that affected Auburn in this game as well. Not making excuses, just saying. That's what happened. You get this double whammy of you're not doing very well on your defense on the defensive glass in general, and you're missing one of your best weapons on that. And you're probably your best weapon against that is having a lot heavier minutes against a team that's really physical and really strong down low, and that was able to mix and match their guys. Um, so, uh, you know, Dan, to your point, like that, that's a that's the big one. You know, Auburn had really rough offense, and there's you know we'll talk about the struggles there, but you know. Auburn still had a chance to win this game if they were able to maybe secure some of these defensive rebounds late, convert on the other end. Um, just a couple of possessions go differently, and this could easily end up a win. And I think you saw that in the Alabama game as well. And I think that's really, really what's frustrating because even if you could say, hey, tip your hat to Mississippi State, they got a great defense. Hey, it's tough to win on the road. Auburn had their opportunities even when they didn't play well, and the biggest ones they missed were ones that they feel like they could have done a lot better on. You had something in the observations about the differences between Auburn shooting catch and shoot versus off the dribble, and uh, I, I believe this was in uh, the, the observations where where you 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 differentiated between how Auburn shoots the ball in in different situations. Bruce said something after the game about you know it's it's jarring to hear a coach because you're so used to well shooters have to shoot through slumps. And to hear Bruce Pearl say, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I think I'm going to be pretty close. Well, we have some guys that are struggling to shoot it. They need to stop shooting it right now. Like they want to keep shooting it, but they in fact need to stop trying to shoot through the slump uh, before it, you know, it spreads to the whole team. He didn't, he didn't, you know, like uh, to, to paraphrase what, what Bruce said, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's not, not what you usually hear. When when a team is in a uh, when it when a team has a has a game or I think especially a first half where where they they just really struggle to find the range. Yeah, this this thing with the offense, it, you know, not shooting away from home is kind of wild to me because this is a team that shot ex extremely well in neutral site games. So it's not just like oh well, you get them away from uh, you get them away from Neville. You know, they can't really do much of anything. In their neutral side games, they shot nearly 50% from the field, 54% from two, and 41% from three. Uh, home games, a lot better from two. Not as great at three, but, you know, they've been they've been pretty good. Four true road games this season for Auburn. And that includes two wins, by the way. That's the other thing. It's like, and you know, I saw people like, hey, this, team, this team can't win on the road. I, I had, there's there were guys that were like, you know, there's no way they're going to even beat you know, I think somebody said on Twitter that I thought it was they thought it was laughable that I said that Auburn had a chance to beat Ole Miss on the road. I was like, they just beat them by 23 at home. Like, yeah, no, this is a little different. But anyway, this includes the wins at Arkansas and at Vanderbilt. Uh, but 
Auburn is now shooting 33.8% from the field on the road. 38%. This is the big one to me. 38% from two, 23% from three, which is obviously really bad. But they've dropped off pretty much everywhere but the free throw line. And I think the big thing we saw this week, and I don't want to put it all on shoulders of one guy, but like Dan, I think one of the things we saw this week is that in that winning streak for Auburn, Jalen, the way Jalen Williams was playing was so huge that when there's a drop off there for Jalen and he does cool off and he's not hitting those shots around the rim like he normally does, and 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 you know, Bruce said it after the game yesterday when I asked him about Jalen, he said, you know, he's just got to do a better job of finishing around the rim and then everything else kind of come back to him again. When you have a guy who has been basically been automatic for a month plus, and he goes through a week where he's not automatic. That, that it's a big difference. We talk about this team having depth and balance and guys picking each other up, and I think Chaney Johnson has picked up Jalen this week to a degree with some of the play he's had, uh, and he's starting to come around on offense at the four. But one of the big things from this game and, and also in the Alabama game is just Auburn did not get the same production from Jalen Williams as they had been you know, recently, and when that happens, it's just this offense looks a whole lot different because he was just – him and Janai Broom, I mean, that's the, there was a stretch where it was just those guys were going to give you double-digit points and a, and a lot of efficiency every single night. And Janai brought that this week, but Jalen didn't, and it, and it made a pretty big impact on this team. And the team probably still lacks a a wing that, that can take over a game in a situation where you need to stop uh, another team's momentum or you're you're down down two or down three late you know you know who's who's taking the the crucial shot and that's something i don't know there there have been there have been times when the other team gets on a run the way alabama closed the first half for example and auburn mounted a response but it did sort of highlight that it's it's very much a team effort in the scoring and while that's while that's great balance is essential uh, it it can uh, it 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 can be uh, you know there there are times w- when you want someone who's ready to put on the cape right and say you know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna save the day and I'm not sure Auburn has that kind of score on, on this roster. Yeah, they've shown guys have shown flashes. It's just not happening consistently. And I think the ball movement again. I think it's kind of a twofold thing. You know, Auburn's at its best when it goes inside out. Um, you know, because the spacing matters, right? You know, people are like, why are they taking so many threes? Take good threes. Yeah, take good threes. That That is 100% true. You need to take good ones. And I think Auburn did not take good threes at times against Mississippi State. Uh, this is a stat from uh, our buddy uh, Henry Patton over at, uh, over at Rivals. This is citing synergy stats. Auburn went five or of eleven from field on from the field on unguarded catch and shoot looks on Saturday, one point three six four points per possession. Those are really good numbers. When they were guarding catch and shoot, when they were trying to shoot through traffic, zero for five from the field. Also, they were two of fifteen on shots off the dribble. Okay, so moving the ball, working it, getting it to the open man, you know, pulling the trigger when it's open. That needs to happen a lot more, and we saw that with like that really. Late Denver Jones corner three that was big. There was the Janai Broom three that was big. And, you know, Janai, again, needs to take those threes when they're open. He took the three that was open in this game and knocked it down um, for for himself. But this 
shooting off the dribble, trying to create a little too much. Um, you know, it, it's just not working. And you look at this game, you look at the stats individually for from Auburn, and when Bruce is sitting there talking about, hey, you either got to hit those shots or you got to put them away. And so you probably need to put them away um, and be more selective because they're just not going down right now. Um, you know, Katie Johnson's one of six from the field. Um, you know, Jalen was three of 11, but a lot of that was around the rim. Uh, Trey Donaldson's only makes he, I thought Trey had a, had a good game and obviously, you know, provided a spark there again, but his only two makes, uh, were, um, trips, you know, where they got steals and were layups on the other end. So he had a harder time scoring in the half court. Um, it was, you know, Aiden on Holloway that, on was two point. of eight and, and two of seven, you know, two of seven from deep, two of eight from the from the field for Aiden. Like it was another tough efficiency game for him. Yeah, on on, on the train Aiden point. Sorry to jump in there, but but it's yeah. uh, uh, I think that because of the way Aiden struggled to shoot, people might have thought that he had a bad game overall. He actually, I think, had a positive plus minus in One the, of the game. Only players who did, and and the the best moments for Mississippi State tended to happen with Trey Donaldson on the floor for Auburn. That doesn't necessarily mean it's Trey Donaldson's fault by any means, but but Aiden, uh, I was I was surprised to see that, that yes, yeah, some of the other stuff w- was working for Aiden, even though, yeah, it does still feel like he's willing to, uh, you know, he, he's he's willing to launch a regrettable three more than more than just about anybody else uh, on on the team at the moment, which I think and some of that can be chalked up to. You know, he's he's newer to college basketball than uh, than anybody else, and despite uh, the the fact that he's a true freshman, he's still uh, you know he can still create off the pass, and he still seems to be holding his own defensively. This is a game that I think again, I you know a lot of people are asking after the game, like, hey, why did why did uh, Aiden finish over Trey? Um, you know, it was another example where. You know, a lot of people are asking that, especially with Aiden's shooting numbers being the way they are. And he said, you know, Bruce said, hey, I'm going to have my best defensive players out there. And um, that's kind of been the way he's gone about it these last two games. Um, you look at kind of statistically, um, you know, when when it comes to the, the defense of your two point guards, uh, you know, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a giant difference. Um, you know, this season, um, I look at, um, I'm looking at CBB analytics right now, and in conference play right now, um, you know, Trey has got good defensive numbers, um, you know, defensive rating, but a lot of that is kind of the the extra turnover rating, uh, effective field goal percentage, you know, is better when. Aiden's on the floor compared to when Trey's on the floor. Bruce talked about guys being solid, ver- solid, and, and and versus being solid and and getting stops, um, you know. And I think that's just kind of the the thing they have. I again, I think there's a lot of talk right now where people want to make this Trey versus Aiden, Aiden versus Trey. Who should be playing more? Who should be like and like, you know, denigrating one to kind of prop up the other and stuff like that. I, I still tend to believe, and in this game, I think Trey ended up playing a little bit more than than Aiden did. I still think tend to believe that Auburn's at its best when both these guys are on the floor, you know, and they're they're you know they get the most out of of both of those guys. Um, right now, Auburn's offense is struggling. Their playmaking hasn't been the same. Uh, the assist numbers for both Aiden and Trey have not been great. 
you know, the last few games. That's not all on them. Uh, dudes have to hit shots. Uh, turnovers have been a little bit up as well. You talk about kind of the defensive um, approach there. You know, you can you can go back and forth and mix and match with those guys. Again, I, I don't think it needs to be one of those things where, you know, oh, Aiden's not hitting shots. We don't need to be playing him uh, if, if you're an Auburn fan. And I also don't think it is, it is uh, you know, a case of because I've seen anti-Trey people at this point. I, I think all that's overblown. I think that's emotional and rash. I think both these guys provide a lot to Auburn. They're both kind of not playing as well as they had been in the winning streak, but both those guys have proven to be really, really good players. And there was a month of the season where Auburn got some of the best point guard play in the country. Um, they just need to get back to that a little bit more frequently. It's going to be tougher to do that against SEC opponents, but um, the shot selection should, should get better. Um, if, if the shot selection gets better, I think you're going to see those guys' assist numbers go up, uh, and I think you're going to see um, just better play overall. I just think that's the thing for this team right now is just – there's some tough shots that they're forcing. Um, they get late in the shot clock against good defenses and are having to, you know, especially state and having to force something up. Um, it just it it it's out of sync right now, and they've got to figure out some ways to kind of get it back clicking again, especially away from home, because we know that they don't have the same problems at home as they do on the road. At home, you know, the crowd's not on your throat every time you're touching the ball, and and it's easier to communicate and stuff like that. We've seen that. Um, they just got to put this show on the road, and also, like we said, they're they're at least they're good at neutral sites. It's not like this is a once Auburn leaves Navarino, they can't do it. It's these true road games that have really got after them, and I think that can come to the part that you know, hey, they've got two young point guards trying to trying to lead the show. Anything they can improve, you know, they they have a, a night game Wednesday against Vanderbilt. After that, I mean, the the February schedule. I mean, this is they got they got seven games in February. The home games are Alabama, South Carolina, and Kentucky, uh, all of which are tournament teams right now, according to and, and I know you know about half the league, more than half the league is is in the tournament. And you got other teams that are on the bubble, uh, so it's a uh, you know it's it's not like you're going to have very many easy ones but home games in february against uh, alabama south carolina and kentucky road games against ole miss florida georgia and tennessee like the, and, the, and and georgia suddenly playing uh, much better basketball as well so it's going to be a gauntlet in february for for this for this team and uh you know the the hope is that you hold court at home you hold serve and uh you know if if you can if you can stay competitive and and win a couple of these road games, that'd be great. But I mean, th this is a team that might 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 run into a couple of of disappointing results, especially if if the three point shot d doesn't go. And we talk about some of these other things that 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 didn't work in Starkville. The shooting, I think, is going to be one of those things. And I don't think Auburn, I don't think Auburn's a bad three point shooting team. I think they've shown times this season that they are able to. Um, you know, get hot from deep and, and kind of get rolling. I think, you know, Aiden hitting a couple of his shots, I think we're, we're, we're big and, you know, obviously needs to become more consistently. He, yeah, Bruce talked after the game about liking what he saw from Trey, but wanting to see it more co consistently. You know, Denver, I think Denver Jones needs to continue to get more shots. Um, he's hitting them probably at the best frequency of, of anybody on the team. He definitely did on, on, uh, on Saturday. And you've got some guys, you know, that are that are you know feeling like they need to kind of force up some tougher shots and try to get the offense going to hit the big 
while play, and it's just not just not working as much. And I think Auburn's got to get back to their roots, that inside-out game. I think some of that inside-out game, things open it up a little bit more for those shooters on the outside and Auburn getting more of those good catch-and-shoot looks that they were that they had decent numbers on against Mississippi State. I think that comes if Jalen Williams is hitting more from from around the rim, if J- Jani Broom's getting more touches around it. And, and, and I think Mississippi State did a good job because they have such a fearsome front court of limiting those opportunities on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I think they're, you know, it's one of those things where it's like if if something if, if one of these little things increases, you can easily see where the rest of it gets better. And so it's just a matter of kind of figuring it out and fixing it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this team's going to have questions about them whenever they go out on the road. I mean, next week they play at Ole Miss. Um, they go to Florida the next week. They got a back-to-back coming up with Georgia and Tennessee, and then they play Missouri on the road to wrap it up. And so, like, you know, for Auburn, you look big picture-wise. I think if Auburn holds serve at home this year and goes 9-0 and at eight, or 8-1 eight and one or something like that at home and then wins more of their road games than not, they're a contender. You know, they're, they're, they're working around a – 14 and 4, 13 and 5, somewhere in that neighborhood record. And that'll put you in the mix for a championship this season. And they still have the ability to do that. They are 2 and 2 on the road. They're not 0 oh and 4. They're not went like, but they got to win some quality games away from home. And Florida's looking like a quality team away from home. Uh, Georgia is looking better as a team away from home. Uh, Tennessee is obviously a monster right now. And that same Tennessee team that is looking like the class of the SEC, them are Alabama right now. And they, obviously, they beat Alabama. Uh, pretty handily at home, that team lost at Mississippi State. So, you know, you don't want to overreact to it if you're if you're Auburn. But like something we something we've talked about is just kind of the expectations of this team and this tendency. Like, don't go overboard. This team was doing really really well when they were pl- when they were playing teams they were supposed to beat, and they were beating them by more than they were supposed to. Things have gotten tougher. It doesn't mean this team's a bad team by any means. It's just a team that's kind of they've got some growing up to do. And if they do that, again, this is a really good team. I, I keep going back to what you just said earlier. It's a sixteen and fourteen. People don't need to be talking about them like they're like they're bad because that that's not the case at all. They've but they but everybody can see they need to they need to fix some things when they play some quality teams away from home. I think the good news for Auburn is that they are coming home and that they don't have to play a third straight road game. They get to come back home and kind of have an opportunity to reset against the team uh, that is currently uh, last place in the SEC, although Missouri's also winless in the SEC, and I would have not expected that coming into the season. Uh, I wouldn't have also expected Arkansas to be 1-6, and six, but it's the way it is. Uh, an Auburn team that won by 15 at Vandy uh, just a couple of weeks ago comes back home to play uh, – at home in this one, Auburn's expected to win this one pretty big. Tennessee struggled with Vandy early in this game, and then Dalton Eck just continued to be an insane scorer, and they ended up winning that game by 13. Uh, um, you know, they lost to State by 13 as well. They lost to, I mean, 13. They've lost, here's an interesting stat. Uh, Vandy's lost four, uh, three out of the last four games by 13 points. The other one was 15 to Auburn. Auburn's expected to to win this game. This is a Vandy team that you, know, you look at it. They have they're five and fourteen. Uh, they have lost. Uh, let's see, thirteen of their last thirteen of their last fifteen games. Their only wins have come to Dartmouth and Alabama A and M. Uh, it's a team that's really really struggling. Bruce after the game on the on the uh, on the 
radio was asked about Vanderbilt, and he said, you're concerned about Vanderbilt because obviously you're one of the worst teams in the league, and they're still capable of beating you. A home lander lost to Vanderbilt would just destroy you. It destroys your math completely because the numbers are so low. They're going to come in here and play really hard. They'll be well coached. We got to, again, just take it one game at a time. Our character will get revealed, and we will get through it. Um, this should be a game where if Auburn takes care of business like they did against uh, Vandy two weeks ago, they should be fine. It's a reset. It's the time to go back home. You get to you get you get the crowd behind you. Uh, but you know, Dan, I think we just saw yesterday. Uh, Vandy's ne- even for a team that's lost as much as Vandy is, they're not just laying down out there. And I think we saw that a little bit from Arkansas with the way they played Kentucky yesterday as well. Like there are no completely easy breezes here in the SEC this season. And even a team like Vanderbilt is going to come in here and potentially give you some issues. Uh, when Auburn was up in Nashville, they had a, they had a harder time putting this team away. Fortunes can turn quickly in the SEC, and like we said, you know, a week ago Auburn was the only team in the league that hadn't lost a conference game. If Auburn flops on Wednesday night against Vanderbilt, uh, that's that's a damaging thing, not just for the reasons Bruce listed, but but it, he's he's right. It it does damage your tournament resume, but you're also talking about. I mean. Auburn has 10 SEC games after Vanderbilt, and I don't think any of them are as easy on paper as Vanderbilt at home. Like, I think Auburn has 10 SEC games, all of which would seem to be more challenging than than the Vanderbilt game on Wednesday night, which doesn't mean Vanderbilt is easy because Vanderbilt uh, just mm-hmm. just uh, last month, a Memphis team that the computer, the, the metrics love Memphis and Vanderbilt was leading Memphis in the final minutes of a true road game uh, right before conference play started. So, so this is a you know, it's a Vanderbilt team capable of of making things tricky. Played Alabama, granted it was at home, but played Alabama very close in that game uh, in Nashville earlier in conference play. So, yeah, I think it's a it, it's very important uh, that Auburn doesn't let this slip away because a loss here. And oh, yeah. you, loss you, here, you can hit the panic button if you lose to Vandy. Yeah, sure. With with, with ten with ten games on the schedule remaining that are more difficult than Vanderbilt, I think that a loss a loss Wednesday night would be uh, absolutely. Uh, what, what what does Woody say in uh, in choice? The perfect time to panic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 this would be the perfect time to panic uh, if, uh, if if you lose Wednesday night. And again, like I think for this Auburn team, you know, the metrics still really love you. And yes, that matters. The math matters. You know, uh, you got folks uh, saying like, oh, you know, this, you know, know, I I point out the, I point out that there's still top 10 in a lot of these metrics. And, you know, people are like, oh, do they hang a banner for that? No, they still have problems. They still got things to to figure out. But it's kind of, it gives you a barometer of where this team is this season. And it happens all in context, right? Yes, Auburn has played poorly. The you know in some areas these two games against two teams I think in Mississippi State and Alabama that we're all in agreement are going to go to the NCAA tournament this year. Like they're they're really good basketball teams. Um, you lose on the road. They lost to by a combined ten points. Here's the thing. I think some people have said, and I've seen some fans kind of be like, "Hey, you know this team's kind of making me feel like last year's team a little bit. Maybe they're closer to last year's team than a real contender." And I'll say this: we will see. These next few weeks are going to determine a lot about the the next couple of weeks, I think are going to determine a lot about the direction of this team. But I will say this at this point last year, Auburn had lost twice on the road, but they had got, they had lost by double digits in both games to Georgia and to Texas A&M. Um, you know, you look back at, at Georgia and Texas A&M last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
Texas A&M was uh, a, a a pretty good team. You know, made it to the NCAA tournament as as the seven seed. Georgia was not an NCAA tournament team. I think right now you're looking at much more comfortably Mississippi State and, and Bama being contenders, even with their records the way they are. I think it's just you know Alabama is a product of their strength of schedule, and I think Mississippi State's you know played some really tough games kind of early on. But again, this team has some issues. We didn't talk as much about the turnovers in this game. I think that goes back to point guard play as well, getting loose with the ball. Yeah, and that ball movement, that crispness, that that flow on the offensive end, it's it's being interrupted because I think Auburn's just not in their element again. They clean up that, they find ways to kind of go inside out a little bit more, knock down some of these threes away from home. And it, it's not just threes either. I mean, their two-point field goal percentage away from home is not very good as well. Like let's let's not all blame it on the fact that Auburn's not hitting threes as much. But you do that, you have an opportunity to reset at home, then you go on the road to an old miss team that you know, you should be able to beat away from home because you've taken care of you, 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 you match up very well against them. Um, and you show that at home. It's a, it's an opportunity to reset. This is a tough week. If you're an Auburn fan frustrated about this week, absolutely, especially with losses to Alabama, a loss to Alabama, that's tough. Um, you know, it's a rivalry game, it matters. Uh, but when you look at the context of college basketball this year, Auburn is not on their own. They are far from one of the only teams dealing with the same kind of things. Um, Kansas lost twice on the road this week. Houston lost twice on the road earlier this month in the same week. Other teams have fallen in these games like this. Auburn's got to fix it in order to you know, get to where they want to be, but this is not a sign that this team's going to fall off. Yes, they're going to drop in the AP poll, and, and people are going to point to that and say, oh, this team's not as, not as good. Look at the computers. Look at the things that weigh everything more than just the human polls, and you can see there's still a lot of value in what Auburn did earlier this season. They got to keep. They got to improve their order to capitalize on that. But the sky is not falling. Not yet. Not yet. I, I think. I think Auburn's in a good position to hit that reset button this week. And kind of, you know, if they're seven and two at the halfway point of SEC play, you know, if they beat Vandy and they go on the road and beat Ole Miss, which again, neither of those things are a complete given. You're seven and two in SEC play going in the going in the final half. You're going to be in the mix, and you're going to be in the mix to not only compete for an SEC championship, but get at least a really good seed in Nashville and a really good seed in the NCAA tournament. And that is absolutely what you want at this point in the year. The timing and the spacing of these losses have, have just been the things that, and wins and losses have just the things that I think frustrate fans more than anything else. All right. Let's take care of some business before we move on and talk a little football before we go. Hi. Uh, if you like this show and you would like more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer for $6 a month or $6 a year. Picks up some new subscribers this week, which was really cool to see, even with Auburn losing, uh, you know, basketball games. You know, you would think that the fan interest might not be quite as high in the product, but uh, we've we've added a few of y'all this week, and we welcome all of you on, on board. Uh, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. You get another one of these episodes of this podcast uh, later in the week. We usually record those Thursday or Friday uh, during the season. Those come out, kind of previewing the weekend game, looking back at the midweek game, uh, and then we talk football and all of them as well. Also. Uh, you get all of the newsletters, so all of the analysis, the X's and O's, the stats, uh, the observations, the mailbags, all that good stuff. The roster tracker for football, playing stuff. Like I said, I'm going to be going down to the Senior Bowl. We'll talk a little Senior Bowl stuff here at the end of this. Uh, I'm going down to the Senior Bowl this week in Mobile, uh, talking to some uh, former Auburn players, uh, and uh, you know, who, who knows, maybe Hugh Freeze uh, will speak down there. That's usually what what happens uh, at this time of year. You'll have all that coverage as well. AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. Painter, how else can they help us out? 
rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Helps us out tremendously. It gives five stars. Review, write a review wherever you can write a review. Gets more eyes and ears on the product, and we greatly appreciate that. Also, uh, homefield.com, the number one place to buy Auburn gear. Saw a lot of home field in the stands uh, from Auburn fans and state fans on uh, on Saturday, which was cool to see. Um, you can get T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, quarter zips, joggers, hats, all that good stuff, bomber jackets uh, from Homefield Apparel, all your Auburn gear. Uh, if there are other schools that you love, you can also uh, get their home field stuff as well. They're always dropping and refreshing uh, new things. Uh, and additionally, you can get the official Auburn Observer T-shirt, um, the front the, the front row of the student section. We know that it, it looks good there. It'll look good everywhere else. The most comfortable Navy T-shirt that you're going to find anywhere, and it's got our logo on it. And nice, t- nicely, tastefully done. Not not too big uh on the uh on, on the uh on, on the print so uh go to homefieldapparel.com uh and if it's your first time ordering from homefield use the promo code observer23 at checkout for 15 percent off um yes that 23 code still works even though we are now in 24 uh we might have a new promo code for you guys here in the next week or so but right now observer23 still gets you there so that's homefieldapparel.com all right fellas like i said going to the senior bowl this week uh always fun to go down there Mobile and kind of kind of catch up with some Auburn players going to the next level, talking to those guys about who's coming back, what they think about uh, the program, them chasing their dreams. It's always cool um, to to kind of be a part of that, and and with it being a Mobile, you know, uh, Dan, have you ever been or you, both of you guys have you ever been to the actual Senior Bowl? Because I went to the Senior Bowl when I was in like elementary school or middle school, I think for the first time, like the actual game. Because it was like a tradition for one of the things we did at our our school that like it was a trip that we went on every year. But have either of y'all been to the majesty that is the Reese's Senior Bowl in Mobile? I went to the 2005 Senior Bowl, as a matter of fact, on a whim uh, the morning of when I was uh, living uh, down in Destin. And I, uh, yeah, me, me and a couple of other people, there was a, a couple of Ohio State players, uh, including, strangely, I remember Mike Nugent was uh, was a participant the uh, the kicker who who was I think still in the NFL or was in the NFL pretty recently you know still still uh, still going but yeah that was the uh, that's the one where Cadillac did so well in practice that J- John Gruden decided not to play him in the actual senior bowl cuz he knew he was going to draft him in the <laughs> top 5 in the that's top 5 good. anyway and why 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 show it to people but J- uh, uh, Jason uh, was uh, w- was at that one as well that was senior bowl following the 2004 Auburn season. It was very cool to see. Uh, very cool to see a lot of uh, you know, lot lot of, of familiar Auburn people who then obviously had had long prosperous NFL careers. But I'm sure it's changed a lot in the uh, in in the decades uh, since I uh, I met Jerry Jones. Uh, he was uh, he was he, he was he was there uh, before the game, and I I talked my way into a small group that 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 had uh, had Jerry Jones in it. But I, mean, I, I haven't I haven't been to I haven't been to it in a while. I've never been. Am I missing out? You know, I, I think it's a it's a fun event. like media wise, it's such a crazy event because the Senior Bowl. I'm not kidding. It's it's like SEC Media Day's level of like credential anyone kind of thing. So there's a ton of people there. Um, and again, I'm not saying that from a place of gatekeeping because it's a media event. It, our jobs are not that important. Like you know, it's it, it's supposed to be fun. So yeah, come one, come all. Um, but yeah, there's a million people. Like if you've ever written a word about the NFL draft, you can get a you can get a credential to the to the senior bowl uh which is you know 
a lot of people come down there for that. Uh, it's it's a really interesting mix, like watching scouts do their thing and watching NFL personnel do their thing. Like it's a big thing for like beat writers, like NFL beat writers go down there because it's a time to talk to like the GMs and stuff like that. The game itself is not like crazy. The practices can be pretty fun. I think it's more of a thing for like, hey, if you're around and you're in Mobile, like, hey, do that, check it out. Uh, the game itself usually like that, you know, takes a backseat to everything. Speaking of which, Dan, you mentioned your 05 Senior Bowl experience and how they, they rested Cadillac in that game. Do you remember or would you have a guess of who the MVP of the 2005 Senior Bowl was? Because it's a funny one. Is it a kicker? No, it's a quarterback. Okay. Quarterback in 05. Who who, who would it have been? Because I'm blanking on the Charlie Fry. Okay. Charlie Fry, yeah. Charlie, Charlie Fry was the MVP of the 05 Senior Bowl. So... Anyway, we go down there for practices usually, and usually because it's close to the Auburn coach and, and traditionally Alabama coach, like Saban's gone down every year as well. We'll go down, see the players just because it's close. You usually tied into a recruiting that's, trip or that's something like that. Florida, Florida Atlantic offensive coordinator, Charlie Fry. Like currently? The, yeah, he's, he's the FAU. Oh, wow. He, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's, he, was, he was with the Dolphins recently. He was So he was uh, at a Mac school. And he was very highly thought of for. Yeah, he played at Akron. So, and I think sense. he was. I think he was coaching for it's Central Michigan, and he was there in the, in the last couple of seasons and had a year where where his offense was was really highly regarded, and uh, and and went went to the Dolphins, and now is uh, yeah now is the FAU. I guess spent last season, and I believe is still there as the uh, as as the OC for for Florida Atlantic. So we go down there, we'll see the Auburn players, you know, maybe talk to an Auburn coach or two, just kind of see what's what's happening. But Auburn's uh senior bowl invites this year, it's a pretty good mix. Um, it's the three big DBs are all in. DJ James, uh, who's you know coming back home, uh Nehemiah Pritchett, who's coming close to home as a as a guy who grew up in southwest Alabama. And then Jalen Simpson uh, also in there as well, and then Marcus Harris uh, also to the at the senior bowl. So that's a that's a group of four that is, you know, I think really they're all really good, you know, interesting prospects at the next. I'm interested to see what the league thinks of these guys at the next level. I thought Marcus Harris, Dan, I thought Marcus Harris had one of the better, like, prove it seasons for a guy who came back uh, that I've seen at, at Auburn. And I think he raised his draft stock. He seems to me like, you know, obviously Marlon Davidson was a bigger name prospect coming out. Uh, both in high school and, and and in the pros, but like that ability, I think for Marcus to like fit anywhere and play anywhere, like you could, every team could use a Marcus Harris, no matter what kind of scheme they run. Um, and I just every time I see uh, Marcus or you know think about that that twenty twenty three season that he had, it was a, a kid who did a really good job in a tough situation with you know could have easily bounced with a new coaching staff coming in or gone pro or or whatever. Uh, he came back and, and really helped his cause out a lot. And I'm very interested to see, like, he's probably the most intriguing one to me of where the league sees him. Cause I think he's a draftable guy. I just wonder how high it's going to be. Yeah. Marcus. And, uh, and, and I feel like uh, Colby Wooden had some of this too, mm-hmm. where I admire, like, I mean, you could see how hard they were working on the field and it's a difficult position to play. I don't know how it translates from college to the NFL. 
Like, I don't know how NFL teams view Marcus Harris, but I, I would agree with, with your analysis, Justin. Like, that's a guy that I, I feel like I would want on my NFL team. Like, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's playing every snap. I don't know what he develops into, but give me a team of guys like Marcus Harris and, and I'll, I'll feel pretty good about my chances. And, uh, and how, how many guys like Marcus Harris are out there? Like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not ankle deep in the draft, you know, as far as, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But I, I can tell you, I, I saw Marcus Harris play a lot of football and he, I mean, he certainly seems to pass uh, the the eye test. Yeah, and I'm looking at this looks like a like a mock draft database right now, and this is, I think this is kind of more of a composite thing. You're seeing DJ James as a day two guy, and then you're seeing the rest of those guys, Amai Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, Marcus Harris as you know day three guys, which kind of makes sense to me. By the way, NFL. First round is its own day, two and three it's its own day, and then four through seven it's its own day. Justin Rogers also in the in the uh, in the draft process as well. Um, you know he could be a guy that 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 climbs in there and and gets you know in in that mix. Um, I look at Auburn in the NFL draft, and when you look at the last couple of seasons, like under under Gus Malzahn, Auburn put more guys into the league, got more guys drafted per year than any other coach in the modern era, the modern seven-round seven draft, seven draft era under Auburn. And then kind of fell off with you know the end of the Malzahn era, the beginning of uh, the, the Harson era. Only got Roger McCreary drafted in 2022. But last year, Derek Hall, Tank Bigsby, Colby Wooden, Owen Papa, Andres Carlson all get drafted. Um, this seems to be another year where Auburn could – send four or five, you know, guys into the league again and just kind of get that back going. I think the big thing though, you know, for Auburn is when you look at the recruiting coming in, you look at some of the players who want to go like the next step for Auburn, I think, and this is not, you know, win football games is priority number one. We all know that, right? But when you have your rivals are Alabama and Georgia and LSU and 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 you know Texas A&M and, and other schools, Tennessee, other schools across the league. Um, you know, Auburn hasn't had a first rounder since Derek and Iggy went in, in 2020. And that's something that they want to kind of get back to again. And I wonder with, you know, Hugh Freeze and this staff, um, you know, if they can get back to that level, like again, the guys that they've got right now, I think DJ James is a really good pro prospect. I think all these other guys are guys that, that get in the league and stick in the league. Um, but Whenever draft season rolls around, I think another thing that Auburn fans are always going to look at compared to, you know, when they look at Georgia or Alabama or these others, it's not just the recruiting and it's not just the winning. I think it's the NFL production. And I'm not saying Auburn's going to ever, you know, rattle off a class that has a ton of first rounders um, again, because that's just really, really hard to do. But Dan, you, we started this by talking about the 04 class that went into went into 05 the 05 draft for Auburn. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of Auburn fans that want to see Auburn be more represented in the league and and have more guys that they can watch on Sundays or keep track of in the NFL playoffs and say, hey, uh, you know, that's one of our guys. And I think that's a that's part of the equation for what Hugh Freeze and the staff need to do kind of moving forward. Recruiting that talent, developing that talent. Obviously, you want to win games, but, you know, 
producing for the next level, I think is, 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 is a big key of that because it, it, it helps, helps that out. Right. You know, it's easier to recruit when you're saying you're putting more and more guys in the league and freeze has got a track record of putting some guys in the league. Um, especially dudes that weren't necessarily supposed to be household names coming out of high school. Well, it's, it's a byproduct of, of success at the college level, right. Is that you tend to send more players to the NFL. You tend to have more guys with NFL ceilings, who commit to you out of high school or join your program via the transfer portal. And yeah, if, if, uh, if you're, if, I mean, I mean, it's not, it doesn't feel like coincidence that if you were to list for me, the schools most represented in the NFL, it would look a lot like the schools that have won the most games over the last uh, 10, Mm -hmm. 15 years in college football. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's tough to divorce the two. I mean, having NFL prospects is not the goal of a college football team because the goal of a college football team is to win, but it does feel like the two tend to work hand in hand uh, as, as far as you know, help, helping move things along. And yeah, I, I would imagine that if we flash forward five or 10 years and Auburn is more represented in the NFL than they are right now, uh, if, if Auburn is... Uh, you know, if if it's if it's more commonplace to hear Auburn in the first or second round of the NFL draft than it's been over the last five or ten years, it's probably a sign that Hugh Freeze or whoever the coach is is uh, is is enjoying success. It is again, it is a is a byproduct of success. Um, it's always something that you know fans like to point at and be proud of, and they should. Um, you know, guys want to. You know, schools like to market themselves this way, and that's another way where Auburn continue to catch up. This is still, it's one of those things where you talk about with Auburn. It's like, yeah, you talk about even with the struggles they've had on the field <clears throat> this past few few seasons, you're still talking about a program that, in a lot of metrics, is top ten, top fifteen, top you know, top twenty at least. Um, you know, in, in a lot of areas historically, but you know, when your biggest rivals are doing it better than anybody else, that's something you want to strive for and try to get closer to. And I think the Senior Bowl, even though Senior Bowl is usually not an event that is like loaded with like the number one guys uh, in in a class every year, because those are usually like juniors that come out or stuff like that. Um, you know, it'll you know there'll there'll be first rounders there, and I think Auburn would love to be able to kind of like what Dan did in '05, like be able to have, go down there and 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 see guys that you know they know are going to go on to have really good success and and be high you know higher rated guys at the next level. So. That's another thing as we talk about football, big picture wise, moving forward. Um, you know, part of the part of the process and part of the part of the fight that this staff has uh, ahead of them because that is, you know, we can talk about the wins and losses on the field. And Auburn's got to show progress in that in those areas for sure, starting in twenty twenty four. Oh, and there's a lot of pressure on the staff for that, but you're going to see some of that a little, little bit moving forward. And I think also. If Auburn has another class where they get five, six guys into the league, something like that, or around that four, five, six guys in the league, you might be able to look back and say, God, they had a losing record with that, that many NFL guys like the last couple of years. And that's something I think that, uh, you know, really, really uh, shows the need to uh, to take a step up um, and, and you know, find what, find what it needs to be done to unlock this program. And I think a lot of it has to do with throwing the football, as we've seen the last few seasons. All right, folks, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. We will be back later this week. Um, It's going to be kind of a weird week because uh, I'm going to be on the road, and then I'm going to come back at home 
Then Auburn plays Wednesday night against Vandy. And then I am covering again for the AP because South Carolina's coming into town, the women's game on Thursday night. Um, so our next podcast might not come out until Friday. Uh, might be another might be another late one. So, you know, for those of you who are inner circle members, uh hanging in there, we'll have that, but we'll have newsletters and, and all that good stuff throughout the week. Defense coordinator watch continues. We'll continue to keep it on everything football related as Auburn tries to hit the reset button and bounce back in basketball. But uh, appreciate everybody listening. Subscribe to the Observers, buttons, links, all that good stuff if you want more of what we've got going on here. That's it for me. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, what are we watching on a Sunday before the week gets going? I wanna, I think I'm going to finally watch Holdovers uh, today. I haven't, haven't seen it yet. The uh, Paul Giamatti. Big, I mean, I, I like Alexander Payne. I even liked uh, Tiny Town or whatever, the movie with uh, Matt Damon. Where the people get uh, get get shrunk down, strange di- downsizing, strange little movie, strange little movie, right? From a, from a guy who made Sideways and and uh, Descendants, and you know some some really some really good uh, Election, like Election, one of the best movies. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I not to turn this into nineteen ninety nine uh, nineteen ninety nine movie segment again. If you've never seen Election, like that's that's one of the best. That's a really good movies. One. Yeah. And and so I'm, I might watch holdovers. So I'd recommend seeing election if you've never seen it. Um, so Justin, you're going to mobile and then, and then back to Auburn and then going to Oxford. To Oxford. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I will. Yeah. And, and I think I mentioned, so I will also be in Mississippi next week. We'll probably be doing, cause I got, I got uh Southern miss on Saturday with the Trojans eight game win streak for the Trojans attendance record at Trojan arena. Uh, on Saturday as well as uh, the, there was a doubleheader, both Troy teams uh, were able to uh, able to win. It's thrilling for Troy, up fifteen and then down five in the final minute. Uh, buzzer beater forces overtime for Arkansas yeah. State, yeah. And, and then Auburn, uh, <laughs> uh, and then and then Troy wins in uh, in in, in, in did overtime. You, did y'all see what Wyoming did Saturday? They were down ten in the final minute and came back and won in overtime. <laughs> like that's like, just insane, insane. But yeah, shout out to the Trojans. You know, it, it feels like they, they, you know, Dan, they had that really rough non-conference schedule. And then, you know, it, it team learned a lot and they're able to kind of fire through the Sun Belt that way. Winless November and undefeated January for, for the, uh, for, for the, for the Troy Trojans. So you gotta, you gotta, uh, weather the storm. Good things can happen. Scott Cross has the men's team playing really well too. They're, they're, uh, they're near the top of the app state. Uh, uh, just swept James Madison in men's basketball uh, after that hot start for JMU earlier this year, looking like App State and Troy, maybe the class of the uh, of the Sun Belt this year in men's basketball. All right, so before we go, and since we're recording this on Sunday morning, uh, AFC and NFC Championship game picks. Fellas, both of you, who who's going to the Super Bowl? Because that's what I'll have my eye on on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I am personally going with my heart over my head. I need a Ravens-Lions Super Bowl more than anything. Um, no disrespect to uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Big fan of big fan of the way the Chiefs do a lot of things. Big fan of Andy. Big fan of uh, watching Patrick Mahomes play football. Obviously a Taylor Swift fan, so I have nothing nothing against the Chiefs. I love this Ravens team, though. I love Lamar Jackson. Um, I need them in the Super Bowl. I need Ronnie to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, and if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then the Lions, man, the Cinderella story. Uh, no disrespect to the Niners. Again, I'm not crazy about watching a Brock Purdy team, but everything else they do is really, really fun. But that Lions team is so much fun. And uh, uh, my buddy Colton, who's been covering 
uh, the lines uh, at the athletic has been, uh, it's, it's been really fun following his coverage of this team and this rebuild. I, it's hard. It's hard. It could easily be Niners chiefs in the Super Bowl. That'd be a fun game, but I'm going, going Ravens lions. Give me a really fun, really weird Super Bowl between two really, two really uh, entertaining teams. What you guys I, got? I just, I wish this game was in Detroit. Right, like if this, oh, it would man, be, yeah, it'd be so, it'd be must, it'd be unmissable, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great game anyway. I, all right, I want to see Lamar Jackson win a Super Bowl before there are no more pieces of sand left in that hourglass, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how long because no one's ever had a long career playing like Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, I guess Steve Young's the closest thing, and. Steve Young had long breaks during his career and also dealt with concussion issues throughout his career. So it's not it's not really the same thing. And, and, and obviously Cam Newton, who, you know, tailed off at the end of his career, we all know, but also was the size of a house. And Cam Newton's prime was very short, right? Like yeah. if you if you think about like for a franchise NFL quarterback, like Cam Newton had a pretty short prime for an NFL guy. So uh no, I, I think it would be it would just be great to see Lamar Jackson, you know, cap off an incredible season and an incredible run with the Ravens uh, with a, a Super Bowl. Hard to go against the Chiefs in any high stakes situation with the with the crew they've got now, but I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Ravens as well at home, close. And there's something I don't trust about the Shanahan Purdy forty yeah. uh, nine. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Let's and, go. And maybe. I mean, look, maybe they maybe they beat Detroit by multiple scores and then beat whoever they draw in the Super Bowl by multiple scores, and it's not a very dramatic uh, sort of. Uh, although that scare against the Packers was real mm-hmm. last week. I mean, Green Bay had them on the ropes, and yeah, I just I just think the longer this game goes, if they can keep it close, uh, Detroit is gonna. I mean, they're they're the sentimental favorite for everyone because I mean, it's been three decades since they've even been this far. Uh, by the way, they got back to the NFC title game before Washington did. Two teams <laughs> that played in the, was the 91 or 92 NFC uh, championship game, well, you know, that, that that had never been back. And uh, Detroit goes back before uh, uh, b- before Washington. But, uh, yeah, and, I, I think it's... And uh, I think they have as many NFC championship game appearances in, like, the last 20 years as the as the... Cowboys do or something like I that. I believe they have more now because Dallas hasn't been more. back since since ninety five. So it's okay. Uh, so yeah, twenty five years or something. Yeah, yeah it's something it's, like it's been it's it's uh it's <laughs> remarkable. But uh, yeah, and, and we had the Bengals a couple of years ago, a team that we also associated, I think, with being near the bottom of the NFL for a long time, make that run to the Super Bowl, beat favored Patrick Mahomes in the process. So I mean, this this thing can happen, and I would just I'd love to see Detroit fans rewarded with. Uh, a run to uh, to the Super Bowl and, and maybe even a title because they've they've never been closer than they are uh, right now and I, I want to see it keep going. Banner, how we go? How, how we lean them? Like y'all, I would love for the fan bases of, well, especially Detroit, but Baltimore also to have some success. It's easy to root for Lamar. I think we've got good narratives no matter who winds up in the game. If both of the one seeds win and we get a chalk Super Bowl, that'd be kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It should be a really fun game. All right, folks, enjoy them. But no, we are all on Ravens Lions. We're all on Ravens Lions. You have your marching orders. <laughs>